The final peg of the Masechta goes through the process of the Seder night, and right now the Mishnah is up to the end of the stage of Magid, where we fulfill the mitzvah of telling over the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and of giving this over to one's children. And at the end of the stage of Magid, we learned in the previous Mishnah that we start praising Hashem. And this is really the first half of Hallel, although the main part of Hallel is said later on at the Seder, Hallel is begun at the end of the stage of Magid. After going through the entire story and the amazing miracles which occurred at Yitzhak Mitzrayim, we begin to praise Hashem. The question is, at Heichon Hu'aymer, until which point in Hallel does the person leading the Seder, and perhaps everybody there, how much of Hallel does he say? Until the words which is at the end of the first paragraph of Hallel. Although the first paragraph of Hallel does not talk about Yitzhak Mitzrayim itself, it calls the Jewish people Avde Hashem, servants of Hashem, and that really hints to the fact that we are no longer servants of Paro or Mitzrayim, but we are now Hashem's servants. But Bisham, I say that one should not say any more than that, and the Gemara explains that this is in order that the children don't fall asleep if you start dragging out the stage of Magid, then the children would have fallen asleep before it comes to the stage of Matzah. And we want the children to be awake for the eating of the matzah, and therefore only the first paragraph of Hallel is said now. But we still and we still say, Ad They should say until the end of the second paragraph, which ends with the words, Because that is the paragraph which really talks about leaving Mitzrayim, and Kriyas Yamsuf, which is really the culmination of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That was really when the Egyptians all drowned, and we had truly escaped from the Egyptians. And since the whole point of saying Halal now is praising Hashem for Yitzhak Mitzrayim, says Beis Hillel, we need to mention this paragraph as well. Alright, and the entire stage of Magid ends with a bracha, praising Hashem for the redemption from Mitzrayim, the chesim He ends by making a bracha on the redemption. Now, what exactly does that bracha contain? So Rabbi Tarifin, and Rabbi Tarifin says that he should say, and then what is the bracha? Asher ge'olonu, blesses Hashem who redeemed us, v'ga'alas aviseinu mimitzrayim, and redeemed our forefathers from Egypt. And again, that fits in with what we learned earlier on in this perech, that on Seder night one is supposed to feel as if he himself left mitzrayim, that he himself was redeemed. So according to Rabbi this is a short bracha, which only praises Hashem for the redemption from mitzrayim. However, Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Akiva says that there are two differences. Firstly, Rabbi Akiva says that the bracha is much longer, and as well as praising Hashem, the bracha also contains requests for the future. And the rule when it comes to brachas is that if a bracha is much longer, especially if it includes both praises and requests, then as well as beginning with Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you Hashem, it also has to end with Baruch Atah Hashem. And so Rabbi Akiva says that after, say, after praising Hashem for the redemption, we then add, Kein Hashem Aleikeinu Velkeaviseinu. So too Hashem, our God and the God of our fathers, Yagi'einu L'mo'yadim V'le'ergolim Achirim, let us reach other significant dates, and Yom which we are coming towards them in peace, Sameichim B'vina Nirecha, happy in the rebuilding of your city, Yerushalayim, V'sosim B'abid and rejoicing in your service in the Beis HaMikdosh, V'noichal Shomen Azvachim V'nabsachim. And when we will eat over there from the Korbonos, this is referring to the Korban Chagiga, V'nabsachim, and from the Korban Pesach, those were the two Korbonos which were eaten on Seder night. The Chagiga was eaten first, because the whole point of the Chagiga is so that one would be able to eat the Korban Pesach in a state of being satisfied. So you would need to eat the Korban Chagiga first, and that's why over here we mention the Korban Chagiga before the Korban Pesach. Vachulu, etc. So the Mishnah doesn't actually include the entire text of this bracha, because it includes more requests which the Mishnah does not mention. But be as it may, since it's a much longer bracha, Ad Hashem Gal Yisrael, he ends the bracha with another Borachat Hashem, blessed are you Hashem, who redeemed the Jewish people.
Mishnah Zayin. Earlier on in the Perek, the Mishnah told us that the second cup of wine was poured before the stage of Magid begins. And at the end of the stage of Magid, after we've said the first half of Hallel, that cup of wine is drank. Now the Mishnah skips out the next couple of stages, and that is washing one's hands, Rochza, and then eating the Matzah, and the Morar. And then after that, after the meal is eaten, they would pour for the leader of the Seder, or for everybody like the custom is now. And that third cup of wine was used, that was used for for benching. And then immediately after benching, the fourth cup of wine is poured, and they would finish, they would say the second half of Hallel. This second half of Hallel is less related to Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim itself, it's more related to the future Geula, the future redemption from the current exile. And at the end of Hallel, the Umar of Sashir, we say over the Hallel, at the end of Hallel, the bracha of the song. Now, which, which bracha is this referring to? So there's Machaliks in the Gemara. Some say it's talking about the prayer of Nishmas, Nishmas Kolchai, which we say at the end of Pesukid Zimra on Shabbos and Yom Tov. Others explain that it is referring to the regular bracha at the end of Hallel, Yahalalucha. Be as it may, after he has finished Hallel with that bracha, he then drinks the last cup of wine. Says the Mishnah, Benakosis Halolu. Between these cups, now what exactly is that referring to? So it means between the first two cups, which we discussed before this Mishnah, and the last two cups, which we discussed in this Mishnah, so between the second and third cup, if one wants to drink more wine, then he is allowed to do so, since that would be drank together with the food, so it's less likely that one would become drunk, and so it is permitted to do so. However, between the third and fourth cup, after one has recited Big Samozan and he's no longer eating, so now there is more of a concern that he'll become drunk if he drinks more wine, and therefore he may not drink any more wine, because if he does become drunk, then he won't necessarily complete the entire Seder, and so he cannot drink between the third and fourth cup. There is a discussion as to whether one may drink between the first and second cup. That is a subject of debate. We do not end the Seder after having eaten the Korban Pesach, with Afikoimon. Now Afikoimon over here does not refer to the Matzah of Afikoimon, rather as the Gemara explains, it comes from the word Afikumon, which in Aramaic means to take out food, and this effectively refers to desserts and other similar smaller items of food, and the mission is telling us that after one has eaten the Korban Pesach, one may not eat anything else, and so if he wishes to have dessert or something then he should eat it before the Korban Pesach. Now one of the reasons for this is that, as we've learned earlier on in the Masechta, the Korban Pesach needs to be eaten once one is already satisfied and full. That's why there's a Korban Chagiga, so that one fills himself up with the Korban Chagiga, and then he eats the Korban Pesach. Now if one were to eat after that, then it would appear as if he wasn't necessarily full up when he ate the Korban Pesach. And so because of that, Medjur Abonomar may not eat after the Korban Pesach any other food. Now the truth is that the same applies even nowadays to Matzah, after one has eaten the last kazayas of matzah, he is also not allowed to eat anything else. One of the main reasons being that this is in order to continue and have the taste remain in one's mouth, the taste of the matzah, for that to remain in one's mouth after the seder. So he has that taste of the matzah, which is a mitzvah to eat the matzah, and because of that one should not eat anything else after he has eaten the matzah. Alright, now we learned early on in the Masechta that if a group of people who are assigned to a specific Korban Pesach begin eating the Korban Pesach together as one group, then they need to continue eating the Korban Pesach together until it is all finished, and they may not go to another place and join another group, and they also can't move location. They all have to eat it together in the same place until the Korban is finished being eaten. Now with Jabonon, there are certain situations where if any of the members of the group fall asleep, then that would be considered as if they left the group, 
And so when they wake up, they would no longer be able to continue eating the Korban Pesach. Once someone has fallen asleep, it can hardly be considered as if he's still part of the group eating with them. By falling asleep, it's as if he's saying that I'm finished, I've finished eating. So the Mishnah says that Yoshna Miktsasan, if only part of the group, either an individual or some of the individuals of the group, fall asleep, then Yechelu. Then all of the members can continue eating, even those who fell asleep. Once they wake up, they can continue eating in Korban Pesach, because since the other members of the group are still awake, we still consider it to be a real group, which is continuing to eat. However, Kulon, if all of the members of the group fall asleep, then none of them may continue eating once they wake up. Now, Rabbi is slightly more strict, and he says that in a case where individuals fell asleep, in which case is it that they are allowed to continue eating, only if Nisnamnamu, if they were sort of dozing off, they were half asleep. So he wasn't fully asleep, if someone would call his name, he might answer, but he's not fully conscious of what he's saying. So if they're only half asleep, then Yechelu, only then can they continue eating Korban Pesach once they awake. However, Nirdamu, if they fully fall asleep, then Lo Yechelu, then even if it's only individuals, once they wake up, they may not continue eating, since those members effectively left the group and basically said that we have finished eating. When it comes to the laws of Tuma and Tahara, impurity and purity, Sumida there's no such thing as part of a person becoming Tomei. Either the person is entirely Tomei or he is entirely Tahar. However, there are certain instances where when Jabonon, only one's hands are considered to be Tomei. Now, one of those examples is Noisar, carbon meat which has been left uneaten past the time limit. So, if let's say a carbon needs to be eaten within two nights and a day, so at the end of the second night, it becomes Noisar. And Majabonon, if somebody touches that meat after it has become Noisar, his hands are considered to be Tomei. Now, most carbonists which are eaten, the time limit on eating them is the following night after they are brought on the Mizbeach. So once the carbon is brought on a particular day, you've got that night and the entire next night to eat that carbon. Now, when it comes to the second night, which is the last night which the carbon can be eaten, Midoraisa can be eaten until the morning. However, Midrabonon, in order to prevent somebody from leaving over the meat and saying that he'll eat it in at the last minute, Midrabonon, he has to eat it by midnight on the second night. Not by the morning, but by midnight. So Midrabonon, that meat is considered to be Nisar already from midnight onwards. However, since it's only considered to be Nisar during that period, Midrabonon, so somebody who touches it would not make his hands tome, since that only applies to Nisar Midoraisa. And when it comes to the Korban Pesach, which needs to be eaten that night, you haven't got the following night to eat it. There's a machlikas as to whether mid-eraisa, one has the entire night, and only mid one has to finish it by chatzos, by midnight. Or whether in this case, even mid-eraisa has to be finished by midnight. And this is learned from Sukkim, and the opinion of our Mishnah is that mid-eraisa, the Torah requires that the Korban Pesach be eaten by midnight of the first night of Pesach. And so it follows that after midnight, it is considered to be Noisar Midoraisa. And because of that, the Midirabonon decree that one's hands become Tomei for touching it applies already from midnight onwards. And so the Mishnah says, Pesach, a Korban Pesach, After midnight is considered to be Noisar Midoraisa, and therefore Mutame Sayodayim, it would make one's hands Tomei if he touches that meat. Now the Mishnah cites another example of something which would make one's hands Tomei, and that is Pigel. Pigel refers to a Korban which during one of the services of the carbon, either during slaughtering the carbon or catching the blood, transporting the blood, throwing the blood onto the Mizbeach, if during any, any of these four services of the carbon, if the person who does that has the intention that the meat of this carbon will be eaten 
after its time limit. All of the parts of the carbon which are generally burnt on the Mizbeach will be burnt after the time limit of burning them on the Mizbeach. So we're not referring to a case where he actually eats it or burns it after the time limit. Rather, he had the intention while he was doing one of these services that the carbon will be eaten or burnt on the Mizbeach after its time limit. So that carbon is known as pigel. It's invalid. And in fact, if somebody eats that carbon, even if he eats it within the time limit, he would be liable to the punishment of kores for having eaten that carbon. Now, if somebody touches that meat, his hands become tome. And the reason for this decree is in order to prevent kernim from having the wrong intentions. If the kernim would know that by having the wrong intention whilst processing the carbon, their hands would become tome, so they would be less likely to have the wrong intention, they would be more careful. And so that was the purpose of this Kazera Mijabonon. And so the Mishnah says, Hapigal. Pigel meat, carbon meat, which became invalidated as pigel, the hanosar, as well as nosar of all other carbonos. Once it is that would make one's hands tome if he touches it. The Mesechle ends off by discussing the two brachas which are made on a carbon pesach and a carbon chagiga. Just like most mitzvahs which are performed with an action have a bracha made on them before, so too when eating the carbon pesach and the carbon chagiga. Now the bracha made on eating the Korban Pesach would refer to eating Lechel Esaposach, eating the Korban Pesach, whereas the bracha made on the Korban Chagiga would refer to Lechel Esazovach, which literally means eating the Korban. The term Zevach refers to a specific type of Korban, and that is a Korban where the blood which is received from the Korban from the animal is thrown onto the Mizbeach. That sort of Korban is known as a Zevach. So since that is the case for a Korban Chagiga, that is the bracha which is made for a korban chagiga. Now when it comes to the korban pesach, the blood is not thrown onto the mizbeach like most korbanos. Rather, it is poured onto the mizbeach. Now Rabbi Yishmael is of the opinion that even for a korban which the blood should ideally be thrown onto the mizbeach, if one did pour it onto the mizbeach, the service is still valid, but yeah, once he did it. And because of that, beirach birkasa pesach, if I made a bracha on the korban pesach and ate the korban pesach before the korban chagiga, so the bracha he made on the Korban Pesach, Potter Shel Zevach, that exempts him and it covers the bracha on the Chagiga, and he does not make another bracha on the Korban Chagiga. Because since the bracha on the Korban Pesach is related to the service of pouring the blood onto the Mizbeach, and since when it comes to the Korban Chagiga, but the Eved, if you did pour it onto the Mizbeach, it would still be valid. So the bracha on pouring the blood exempts the bracha on the Chagiga. However, the other way around is not true. If one threw the blood of a Korban Pesach, let's say, onto the Mizbeach, it would not be valid. And therefore, Berach Shal Zevach, if he made a bracha on the Korban Chagiga first, then Lopatrasal Pesach, that does not cover the Korban Pesach as well, and he would make the bracha on the Korban Pesach. And indeed, this is what was usually done, because as we have seen a number of times, the Korban Chagiga had to be eaten before the Korban Pesach. That is the opinion of Rabbi Yishmael. However, Rabbi Akiva says, This bracha doesn't cover the other carbon. And this bracha doesn't cover the other carbon. Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that even when it comes to carbonus which, which the blood is generally thrown, it would be invalid if you poured the blood, and certainly vice versa as well. And so because of that, neither of these brachas can exempt and cover the other carbon. And so even if you did eat the carbon Pesach first, and so you made the bracha of the carbon Pesach first, you would still make a bracha on the carbon Chagiga. Soling Masech Pesach Mazel Tov.